authentic community. We're talking about how to go after God's plan for life together, life with him and life with one another. And uh, so just a quick review. We started out the first week, we were going through 1 John 1. We talk about true fellowship, really having fellowship with one another. Not talking about just going and hanging out and chatting together and touching some light surfacey things and having some unbelievable food. You may have done that at the pumpkin festival this week. It's not that that's bad and it's a good time, but it's way more than that. It starts with absolutely going after Jesus Christ as first in your life, a power relationship with him. And as we go after him vertically and we learn of him and we grow in him and we meet him and well, then it starts spilling over to the ones next to us. And that's when we have the real biblical fellowship. In fact, it says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. We have a challenge to know our God personally and passionately and then to care for one another with a love that can only come from knowing him. True fellowship. That was the first week. The next week we looked at loving God. Came out of 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Loving him with all of our heart and soul and mind, going passionately after him. What does that look like? Well, part of it was recognizing who he is in our lives as advocate, defender, as king, as savior, our almighty God. You've got our attention. Lord, may I love you with all I've got. That's authentic biblical community here in this church. When we go after him first and foremost, that's when things light up. Amen. That's not strong enough. Amen. Amen. Like we need to be all over that one. That is the center of what this is all about. May we love the Lord, our God with all our heart and soul and mind. And then last week we were looking at loving one another, how it spills over then to caring for the person next to you. And remember, we talked about this love is not spelled L O V E. Did you know that? It's spelled L-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-V-E, right? It's this passionate, all-in caring that only comes from knowing God, and it's pronounced love, right? It's like reaching out and caring for, seeing them in a hurting spot and knowing they need you to just step in and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in that moment, to pray for someone, to care for someone. Somebody is feeling exactly what you felt Or maybe our feeling. Lord, how can I be caring for them like you care for me? It starts with knowing God. Please don't hear me wrong. When we get to the love one another, we're like, and forget the rest. And now all of a sudden we're back to just being horizontal in our relationships. Big mistake. We've got to keep staying vertical, passionately running after him. And every day we meet with him, it just gives us more understanding of how to pour out into those around us authentic community. That's what we've been talking about. Well, today we're actually going to touch on how the world plays a role in that or doesn't play a role in that. What should we do with the world in this authentic community? That's what we're going to be answering. Okay. So turn with me, if you will, to first John chapter two, verses 15 to 27. We've got ushers coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand and they'll get one to you. Okay. Just get their attention. and we will get one to you. First John two, 15 through 27. Okay, the first point, well, it's pretty direct. Do not desire what this world offers, but rather what God offers. 
Do not desire what this world offers, but rather what God offers. That needs to be our response. Where do you get that, Tim? Verse 15. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. All right, and we're done, right? Like it's pretty clear. It's pretty direct. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. This word love right here is the same word love that was used last week when we were talking about love, loving one another. Do not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. So it's saying don't have this passionate, consuming, all-in thing for the world. Well, what does this word world mean? You know, it actually has several different meanings in the Greek, and we have to figure it out by context as we go along as to what's being talked about. Notice what it says right after it. It says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, God's not about loving the world. Wait a minute. I thought John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. Right, and we have to be very careful of how we interpret these words or translate these words, right? When we look at the context, we're grasping, for God so loves the people everywhere, and he's reaching out, right? That's what we see in John 3.16. But what we don't see is, for God so loves the system that says, forget God, it's all about you. That's not what God loves. That's not in him at all. In fact, that system that says, it's all about you, is on the commercials and the TV shows and, and everywhere we turn, all we keep getting sold is, man, you're awesome, right? And we should somehow be patting ourselves on the back and thinking much higher of ourselves and everything, in fact, should be surrounding us and all about us. And so as we make decisions, it's how does that make me smile or how does that tickle my stomach or whatever? It's all about me. Be very careful with that self. We're actually supposed to not love that at all. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He's kind of back to that same statement he's made in the first part of chapter 2 and in all of chapter 1. It's, hey, if you get to know the one who is, then you will not be opposing to that. And God is certainly not saying, I'm all about everything that pulls attention away from me. And yet that's what the world is about. Let's be careful that we don't begin to embrace the very thing that steals glory from our almighty God. It's his glory. Amen. Let's give him all that he deserves. It says, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions is not from the father, but it's from the world. So here we get a little bit of a support in saying, see, he's not talking about the people. He's talking about the system, right? And it talks about some desires and some pride. So let's break it down. The desires of the flesh. We've talked about this before, right? When we were going through the fight right series, the desires of the flesh, it's, you know, what feels good. I'm going to go after the things that feel good. That's when we're kind of hooking into the world stuff. And so when it makes me kind of warm and fuzzy on the outside or warm and fuzzy on the inside or whatever's going on there that's the feel-good thing that you're running after, be careful. That's where we can quickly get tripped up into loving the world. That's the desires of the flesh. It says right after it, the desires of the eyes. You know, hungry for the pretty. Basically, this is when we only look on the exterior. We don't care what's inside. If outside looks good, you know what I mean? 
It's one of those things we can easily get tripped up into and and you start trying to figure out Well, am I really doing it or not? And you have to ask yourself. Well, how am I doing at loving? The not so pretty How am I doing at saying I see a person over there that I could meet and they're looking like they're hurting a bit Oftentimes we're drawn to the strong the powerful the beautiful the kind of making it happen the world seems to be revolving around them i guess i'll go revolve around them too and we need to be really careful that's the desires of the eyes it uh, it makes it easier when things are pretty but quite frankly i wonder what this world looks like to christ's eyes let that settle for a moment the sin and the hurt and the pain and the muck and he's right here with us wow that's our God. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. So what looks good, what feels good, and the last one is what shows me off. You know, I want to be about the things that make me get recognized as awesome. You know? Well, I have two choices here, and one will be hidden works, and one will be very showy works. I choose the showy. Like, let's make sure that everyone here knows that I'm wearing a t-shirt that says I'm awesome. You know what I mean? That's what that one's about. Have you ever met this person? It's like you walk up and you're going, hey, how you doing? And they're like, I'm awesome. Let me tell you a little bit about how my week's gone. And then, and you get this dump of everything they've succeeded in this week. And you feel like you should be taking notes. It's being delivered so authoritatively. You know what I mean? You're like, this guy is awesome. You know what I mean? That, that We need to be careful of that. And quite frankly, if you're that person, let's stop right now. Okay? It's dangerous to sell self. Let's sell Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let's reach out to those around us and care for them with all we've got. The world, well, the world's made up of what looks good, what feels good, what shows us off. It's about our body, it's about our stomach. It's about our emotions. That's the stuff that stirs us if we're about the world. Let's be careful that we're not tripping in. Well, why? Why shouldn't we go after that stuff? I mean, sometimes it actually is nice to feel good. I don't know who goes on the ride that spins around and around and you're stuck to the wall. Okay, yeah. Usually they tend to be under the age of 12, unless they're my mom. But, you know, like I don't know how... How you enjoy that but more power to you, right? Some of these things we can do in life are fun and other things people are standing next to him going That would not be in the desires of the flesh for me at all, right? So each of us has our things to go after and it's not all the same What's yours? Where you get distracted in those areas He actually defines for us a little bit more how we can know he says in the world is passing away along with its desires But whoever desires the will of God abides forever the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. You and I have a chance to engage in that which is absolutely 100% rock solid for eternity. Or we can be involved in that which is passing away. Temporary, short-lived Whatever it is, it feels good for a moment. Whatever it does, it shows me off for just a second and it stole God's glory for a lifetime. Whatever it is, it's just all about me in the moment. That's what needs to go. Lord, may you be glorified 
Lord, may I have an eternal perspective. I am ready to abide with you forever. That's what we're talking about. The difference between forever and our lifetime is forever. Let that settle in. You know, math, like infinity minus anything is still infinity. You know what I mean? Like this is huge with him. Nothing without him. That's where we need to be careful. All right. Scuba diving. You're like, what? (laughs) How many of you have been scuba diving? Have you? Okay. So I have not been scuba diving. I was asked to go scuba diving by a friend one time. And he said, yeah, I'd love to train you and, and help you out. And I can get into the gym at night and we can go over there. I'm, you know, he was the PE director. And so he's going to take me out to uh, learn how to scuba dive at the gym. And, and then he told me about a friend of his that he lost in Lake Michigan scuba diving <laughs> the year before. We didn't go scuba diving. I'm like, dude, I'm good. Let's go to Panera. You know what I mean? So anyway, scuba diving. What's the point of it? Well, what do we do? You go down underwater and you're exploring another world, right? And you're exploring this world and it's kind of a pain to have to keep coming up and snorkel, right? So you get these tanks on and you go down under. What's scuba stand for? Self-contained underwater breathing apparatus, right? I'm going to go live under the sea for a short time, right? And so you go down under and you experience what's down there, but you're bringing the environment you need to breathe with you. Uh, that's what the world needs to be for us. We're going scuba diving. Okay. You and I, we're going in. We're to be a part of it. But trust me, you need to breathe a whole different kind of environment than what the world has to offer. Do not breathe in the world. Breathe in your almighty God. Breathe in a relationship with him. Bring Jesus along with you as you go into the world. That's what it's about. Well, what's that look like? It means every day in every way you're renewing your tanks or you're going to breathe in the world. I'm telling you, be underwater for a little while, run out of oxygen. At some point, your body just says breathe and you suck in no matter where you're at and water comes in, right? We will breathe the world if we're not prepared. It is about scuba diving, spiritually speaking, in the world. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with preparing your tanks so that you do not love the world? How are you doing with preparing your time with Christ so you're blown away with him? You're drinking deep of him. You're breathing in him. And this world looks so temporary. It's pathetic. I would never want to grab onto, but I'm here to love the people within it. That's where we need to be. Maybe a deeper question. What thing of the world has you enamored? What feels good? What looks good? What shows me off? Uh, All of the above. Let's set it aside. And let's start literally going after Jesus Christ as our breathing, as our life, as we dive into this world to make an impact for him. Amen. That's first call. True community, breathing Jesus Christ, not breathing the world. Loving Jesus Christ, not loving the world. All right. Second, we have a challenge to accept Jesus as the Christ and spend time with him as your God. Accept Jesus as the Christ and spend time with him 
as your God. Start in verse uh, 18 here. It says, children, it is the last hour. It is the last hour. Notice he uses that phrase children again here. This is that same word he's using that says, dear ones, ones close to me, ones who I care deeply about. I want to know that you know this personally. I'm passionate about it. Children, it is the last hour. The king is coming. The king is coming. Jesus Christ, our king, will return. And he's saying, I'm telling you, it's getting close. And, oh, newsflash, it was close for him. It's a lot closer for us, right? It's the last hour. And you have heard that Antichrist is coming. So now there are many Antichrists. Well, what's an Antichrist? Let's just break it down. Anti, against Christ, against Jesus Christ. They are against who he is. They are against his glory and his authority. They are against his power. Little ones know this. You've got somebody to avoid and be careful of. He says, therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. They started out here. They sort of interacted with us, but there became a time where they just said, yeah, no, thanks. And they weren't their own way. They went out away and they drew attention to themselves and they drew it away from Jesus Christ. It became clear as they, as they separated from us that they're not of us. The unity was being isolated and broken. The love for others was being dashed. That's how we knew they weren't with us. Notice he says here, for if they had been of us, been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they were not all of us. Oh, it's clear. You might have to rub your glasses a little bit. You might have to clear the fog just for a moment, but I'm telling you, it's clear their passion is for themselves and the world. Their passion is to draw attention to self. They're back to the feel good, look good and show me off thing. They're not with Jesus Christ and him crucified. He says to his dear children that he's writing to, and this goes to us who are believers as well, but you have anointed, you have been anointed by the Holy one and you have all, and all of you have knowledge. You have been anointed by the Holy one and you all have knowledge anointed by the Holy one. It means if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your savior, you have the Holy spirit within you. He's consecrated you. He's touched you. He's separated you for a good work unto him. He said, let me help you begin to glorify God almighty. You have the Holy spirit with you. And with that comes knowledge. You can know him and you can know how to serve him. You have an anointing that makes it clear that this is not cool. That's what he's saying. These antichrist things, walking away, giving God no glory and stealing it for yourself. Come on, use the anointing you've got. It's not cool. Let's give Jesus Christ the attention that he deserves. Let's worship and serve and praise him with all we've got. We have an amazing king. And it's all about him. It says that we can know all things. And all of us know these things because we have that anointing. It says, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. Power statement. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Like that's where it comes to. We know that we found someone who is passionately running after God when he says Jesus 
is the Messiah. He's our hope. He's our savior. In him alone do I trust. Be careful. The truth is not with the one who's denying Christ. Not ever. No matter how fluently they speak, no matter how influential they seem to be. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. In fact, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. You and I have a chance to have a relationship with God the Father. It starts with Jesus Christ, his Son. Amen? It starts with knowing him and knowing him personally and knowing him passionately as our Christ, our hope, our Savior, our Redeemer, our King, our only. May we love him with all we've got. That's life in him. And we can breathe in him and we can know him, our God, our Father, and the Son, Jesus Christ. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. If we know Jesus Christ, eternal life. If we don't know Jesus Christ, well, not eternal life, but eternal death, separation from him. That's a passionate, powerful truth statement that must be grasped i'm talking right here right now in this place we need to understand his plan for our life and living he explains just a little bit more of it he says i write to you these things about those who are trying to deceive you but the anointing that you received from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you did you know that let that settle for a moment you have no need that anyone should teach you I don't have to be here in this moment with you hearing from me. Like it's great to hear. And in fact, second Timothy four says, preach the word. And so it's still biblical to go ahead and have teachers and preachers, but you literally can alone with yourself and the word and the Holy spirit have your life absolutely rocked for him. And that's your job Monday to Saturday. It's going after him powerfully, regularly, I don't need to have a teacher. I have the ultimate teacher, the Holy Spirit, and I can know him personally. Lord, let me listen to you and hear from you. And then on Sundays, we'll remind you a little bit. All right. That's what it's about. That's the plan. It's not seven days a week church service. It's one day a week. Let's get together and get some celebration and get some reminders and get some corporate challenge and lock arms together and get some celebration. And then you're back out. Lord, teach me. Show me what you got. He closes it out with, but as his anointing teaches you, that's the Holy Spirit and his touch with you, teaching you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it's taught you, abide in him. Open up your word in the morning and say, Lord, I'm here to be taught. Lord, I'm here to hear from you. I need to be absolutely rocked. I need to be changed. I need to be shaped. What is it you have for me? Please help me grasp what you've got. That's the way we walk to him. Here's the problem. We talk about this in church, and I got to tell you, my biggest concern is we talk about the things that we need to be about and not about and the stuff that we're going to go after and the how about you questions, right? 
but it's often, it can be confused where we can literally start out saying, well, I guess I need to start doing that stuff. And yet we really haven't started with Christ. We're just now walking along trying to pretend we've started with Christ and we're trying to do all these events and actions. The word is sanctification. We're kind of trying to sanctify ourselves. And the thing we have to grasp is absolutely nothing that he just said is true unless we've started a life with him. It's time to put a stake in the ground and say, Lord, I'm yours. You've got me. We don't go forward and try to do anything else except manage that one relationship. The starting of a walk with Jesus Christ. Well, how do we do that, Tim? Glad you asked. So here's how. Let's just go through a few verses, all right? Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Romans 3, 10. Yeah, there's none righteous. No, not one. Simple. None of us are perfect. That's what it means. We need to grasp that. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. See, we're all in the same boat. We're not perfect. We've come up short. In fact, that word sinned, you've talked about it before, right? It's the archery term. You're aiming at the bullseye. You missed the bullseye. You missed the whole outer ring. You missed everything. You came up short. You hit the turf. That's what they used to call sinned. It's like our term air ball today in basketball. You just come up short. How many points is an air ball worth? Zero. Doesn't matter if you missed by an inch or a mile. That's where we all stand, somewhere between an inch and a mile. Air ball. On our own demeanor, on our own activities and actions, we've come up short before God's holiness and perfection. That's Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23. Well, that's great, but... What's the cost of that? Is there any cost? Maybe there's not a cost. Maybe we're fine. And Romans 6.23. First half says the wages of that sin is death. Eternal separation from God Almighty. Each and every human being throughout all the world for all time stands in that spot. Came up short. Eternal separation is the penalty. That's where I stand with him. I'm standing in a not-so-good spot, ready to be away from him for all eternity. Romans 6.23, the last half, though, says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift. Are you hearing that word? The gift of God. Not the wages. He didn't pay us. It's a gift. He's handing it over, unmerited by us. He's saying, this is what I have for you. And he's offering you and me a chance for an unbelievable opportunity to know him again when we have absolutely no right. We came up short on our own, but he's saying, I've got this for you, a gift. And it's our job to take and open it. Well, how do we do that? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. Otherwise, you could boast. People aren't walking around having going, hey, dude, what'd you do to get in here? You should see what I did. Isn't that the world? Didn't we just get done talking about that? Like, that's not what it's about. Everybody walking around is, how did you get here? Christ and you? Christ. 
Like, that's it, man. We have one way to heaven, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and his amazing gift. Wait, wait, are you telling me that on my own, I get nowhere, but, but, but with him, I get everything? And the only way to activate that is faith? Yeah, that's what scripture says. For by grace are you saved through faith. How do I do that faith thing then? What's it look like? Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Bang. Like, that's it. It's that simple. The starting point, the putting the stake in the ground, the absolute beginning of any relationship with him, the I'm done with the world. It's time for me to breathe in all of who he is. It starts with this. I finally see it. Your God, I'm not. You're perfect, I'm not. My penalty is separation from you. But you're a gift to me. It's a life. Eternal. Forever. Not earned. Handed over at the expense of his shed blood on the cross. He died on the cross that you and I might be forgiven. He rose again. To offer life that we might be forgiven and have life eternal. That's setting a stake in the ground. Lord, you're my Lord. You're my God. Please forgive me. And use your shed blood to replace what I owe. I'm trusting in you with all I've got. And I'm turning away from the world. And I'm running at you with all I have. You know, if we make that decision, if we put that stake in the ground, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. You will not be held accountable for sins past, sins present, or sins to come. It's wiped out. Justice satisfied. God says, payment made. Your name is covered. I've got you. You're my child. You're my new creation. I've got you for eternity. There is therefore now no condemnation and nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. That's our hope in him. Amen. Why would we love the world when we've got that? Run for Jesus Christ with all you've got. That's our chance. You know, this week I got an email uh, from somebody who said, I've been to harvest two times and I don't get it. Can we please meet? There's something going on, and I don't get that. Like the passion, the excitement, it's all over the place in the body, and and what's going on? Can we please talk? And and as we met and talked over at Ruby Tuesdays, he began to share of a a life that really has a very strong Christian upbringing and being able to hear certain truths and whatnot. But I got to tell you, as he shared his story, one thing became clear. There was a lot of action and activity to try to earn that was going on. And so we just walked through these verses. I just flipped the Bible around there at Ruby Tuesdays and said, Hey, what does this verse say? And I'm telling you, there's those moments where, you know, the Holy spirit's there 
And he's reading a verse. I said, what does it mean? And he's like, he's just pulling it right there. Romans 3.10, what's it mean? We're all imperfect. Good. 3.23, what's that say? All came up short. Yeah, we don't have it. Okay. And how much is an air ball worth? Zero, right? Well, 6.23, what's the penalty? Eternal separation. Okay, let's go back now. All of us are in that boat. And he goes, whoa. That's a problem. Look at the second half. But the gift of God, and I'm telling you, he nailed it. Points to the word gift. He goes, hang on. I can't earn that. Like it's just a gift. Yeah, it's just a gift. And our works are nothing. But Christ shed blood on the cross is everything. And his willingness to forgive us. We walked through what it means to have faith in him. And to confess him as Lord. And in that moment as you confess him as Lord. He absolutely takes up residence within you. Forgives you for eternity. And from then on you have life. And life eternal. You have hope and hope eternal. You have a promise that cannot fade. Because it's based on Christ. Not on you. It's based on his shed blood. Not on you. And that's where the joy comes from. Because as we come together to celebrate, we're not coming together to say, how good were you this last week? We're coming together to say, isn't our God amazing? I looked at him and I said, have you put a stake in the ground? I mean, a moment where you just said, it's now. I got to be trusting in him. You're my God. No, I haven't done that. Do you want to step out of Ruby Tuesdays and go do that? He goes, yeah, I don't want to do it in Ruby Tuesdays. (laughs) So we went to the truck and sat in the truck and we talked it through. And right there. He accepted Christ. And he began to weep. Because he was able to let go, quite frankly, of a lie. That you can start a walk with Christ by trying hard. It's junk. It's got to go. It's got to be over. My question to you today is this. Where are you at? Are you ready to just set it down and say I'm done? I'm done with trying hard on my own. I'm done with trying to muscle it. I'm done with it being about me and my works. I'm ready to put a stake in the ground and drive it in. You're my God. Please forgive me and use your shed blood to replace what I owe. Are you ready to be there? I'm just going to ask this. Let's just take a moment right here and right now. And let's just bow our heads before we're done with the message here. Let's just bow our heads and take a moment. If you're in that position where you're like, I want to do that. I want to let go of the works thing and it's time for me to just say, Christ, you're my God. I'm trusting in you. I'm amazed with what you have for me. Just, just repeat after me these words then, okay? I'm going to say them out loud. Feel free to just say them quietly to yourself. If you want to say them out loud, I'm sure the person next to you won't care, but, but go after it. Let's say this together, all right? I'm going to say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I see it. I get it now. It's about a life with you. Because of you. Please forgive me. I'm not perfect. 
gone my own way. I want to be done with it. Please use your shed blood to replace what I owe. You're my God. I'm trusting in you with all I've got. And my hope is in you and all you're doing for me. I confess you as Lord. I believe that you are God and died on the cross for my sins. And I'm in awe. Thank you for what you've done. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Just keep your heads bowed for a moment, okay? Just go ahead and keep your heads bowed. Here's my question. Did you pray that prayer today? You might be sitting there thinking, yeah, I did. I don't even know what to do next. Well, maybe the next step for you is just this simple. Just let me know you have. Just look up and catch my eye or raise your hand, whatever it may be, so that I can pray for you. I want to be praying for you. I want to be praying for this body. Amen, I see that. Just raise your hand if you've trusted in him. This is your step out with God saying, Lord, I'm with you. Amen, I see that. You can go ahead and put your hand down too. Thanks. Anybody else where you're just saying, it's time. I'm putting the stake in the ground right here. It's done. Lord, you're mine and I'm yours. Anybody else to pray that prayer just wants me to pray for them. Okay, I see that hand. Thanks. Amen. Let me just pray right now. Father, Lord, we pray for these individuals who have raised their hand. May you just light them up with a love and a passion for you today. Lord, I thank you for what you do for us. You promise you will never separate from us. I thank you that each of these has put a stake in the ground and they're trusting in you once and for all. And we celebrate your name and we lift you up. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Wow. Amen. So, what do I do now? Well, I got a little news flash for you. We've got that all thought out, okay? <laughs> the next step in, after trusting in Jesus Christ is an easy one. Let's make it public. Let's just celebrate him and what's going on. Well, how do I celebrate him? Well, one way to do it is just turn to the person next to you and go, you wouldn't believe what I just did. Like I'm telling you, let the person know who you just came with. That's great. But more than that, we've got some baptisms going on. And we'd love to have you get baptized with us. We're doing that when? Next week, what a great opportunity to stand up and say, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ and celebrating him. I've done it a week ago and he's mine. I'm going after it with all I've got. Go after him. Well, what is baptism, Tim? Help us understand it a little bit. I will. (laughs) Baptism. Just so you know, it's first belief, 
And then baptism. The baptism of scripture is about a celebration of what's already taken place. I'm trusting in Jesus Christ as my savior. I'm leaning on him. Now I step out in baptism and celebrate. That's what baptism is. Okay. It's a celebration of what he's already done in my life. First belief, then baptism. First what? And then order. It's important. Okay. So let's step out. And some of you might be like, well, I already got baptized, but I didn't really believe. Now I know I believe. And what should I do? Get baptized. Come with us. Okay. It's easy. Let's do that. Let's do it together. All right. Why be baptized? Well, first, because Jesus commanded it. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. He said that he wants us to make disciples baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. It also allows us to say, I love him and I'm giving him my life and I'm amazed with who he is. What an opportunity to celebrate him. Why be baptized? Because we're given a testimony of how awesome God is. Does it mean I have to have it all together? No, it actually means you don't have it all together. If we had it all together, we wouldn't need to be saved, right? We don't have it all together. I do not get it. I'm making mistakes. I'm in sin. I've trusted in Christ. There's things still going wrong. Step up and say, he's my savior. I'm running after him. I still got stuff to work on. I'm not clean. So I'm being baptized. I know God is making me clean over a process of time. That's why I'm being baptized. I'm celebrating him that I don't have it all together, but he does. Amen. Amen. That's what baptism is all about. Do I have to have it all together? No. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> so how do we be baptized? Well, 400 gallons of water. You know what? We do. We do immersion style. Why? Because if you look in scripture, you see this going on. Uh, they did immerse. But the other thing you see is in Romans 6, it talks about going down into death and coming up into new life. And so we use this water as a symbol of what's already taken place. So we're going to have 400 gallons of water sitting right here. And we're going to do some celebrating with baptisms as we say, I'm changed because of him. That's how we do it. Okay. We also ask three questions that uh, we're going to have the people answer real quickly. And so it's easy. Okay. These are easy questions. We're right here with you in the water. We're walking through it with you. The first question is just, how did I come to know Christ? Just a, a quick statement of that. The second one is, well, what's life like now? And then the third one is, why do you want to be baptized? And I'll give you the answer to that right now. Don't you love when you give or given tests and you get the answer ahead of time? Okay. So why be baptized? Because I want to follow his commandment and because I love him. I just want to say I love him. That's what we're doing, okay? That's how we do baptisms. So when should I be baptized? Next week. Let's do it, okay? If you believe in Jesus Christ, and since believing in him, you have not been baptized, next week's your time. Let's do it together. Let's rally this body. Let's celebrate him. Let's lift his name up and let's get baptized. Okay. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whether you've been saved for a day, a week, a month, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever the story is, let's celebrate him. Amen. That's where we're going.